Treatise One of On Friendship and On Old Age by Marcus Tullius Cicero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Treatise One On Friendship, Part One. The augur Quintus Mucius Scaevola used to recount a number of stories about his father-in-law Galus Lelius, accurately remembered and charmingly told and whenever he talked about him always gave him the title of the wise without any hesitation i had been introduced by my father to scaevola as soon as i had assumed the toga virilis and i took advantage of the introduction never to quit the venerable man's side as long as i was able to stay and he was spared to us the consequence was that I committed to memory many disquisitions of his, as well as many short-pointed apothems, and, in short, took as much advantage of his wisdom as I could. When he died, I attached myself to Scaevola the Pontifex, whom I may venture to call quite the most distinguished of our countrymen for ability and uprightness. But of this latter I shall take other occasions to speak. To return to Scaevola the Augur among many other occasions i particularly remember one he was sitting on a semicircular garden bench as was his custom when i and a very few intimate friends were there and he chanced to turn the conversation upon a subject which about that time was in many people's mouths you must remember atticus for you were very intimate with publius sulpicius what expressions of astonishment or even indignation were called forth by his mortal quarrel as tribune with the consul quintus pompeius with whom he had formerly lived on terms of the closest intimacy and affection well on this occasion happening to mention this particular circumstance scaevola detailed to us a discourse of laelius on friendship delivered to himself and laelius's other son-in-law galus fanius son of marcus fanius a few days after the death of africanus the points of that discussion i committed to memory and have arranged them in this book at my own discretion for i have brought the speakers as it were personally on to my stage to prevent the constant said i and said he of a narrative and to give the discourse the air of being orally delivered in our hearing you have often urged me to write something on friendship and i quite acknowledged that the subject seemed one worth everybody's investigation and especially suited to the close intimacy that has existed between you and me accordingly i was quite ready to benefit the public at your request as to the dramatis personae in the treatise on old age which i dedicated to you i introduced cato as chief speaker no one i thought could with greater propriety speak on old age than one who had been an old man longer than any one else and had been exceptionally vigorous in his old age similarly having learnt from tradition that of all friendships that between gaius laelius and publius scipio was the most remarkable i thought laelius was just the person to support the chief part in a discussion on friendship which scaevola remembered him to have actually taken moreover a discussion of this sort gains somehow in weight from the authority of men of ancient days especially if they happen to have been distinguished so it comes about that in reading over what i have myself written i have a feeling at times that it is actually cato that is speaking not i finally as i sent the former essay to you as a gift from one old man to another so i have dedicated this on friendship as a most affectionate friend to his friend 
in the former cato spoke who was the oldest and wisest man of his day in this laelius speaks on friendship laelius who was at once a wise man that was the title given him and eminent for his famous friendship please forget me for a while imagine laelius to be speaking gaius fanius and quintus musius come to call on their father-in-law after the death of africanus they start the subject laelius answers them and the whole essay on friendship is his in reading it you will recognize a picture of yourself two fanius you are quite right laelius there never was a better or more illustrious character than africanus but you should consider that at the present moment all eyes are on you everybody calls you the wise par excellence and thinks you so the same mark of respect was lately paid cato and we know that in the last generation lucius attilius was called the wise but in both cases the word was applied with a certain difference attilius was so called from his reputation as a jurist cato got the name as a kind of honorary title and in extreme old age because of his varied experience of affairs and his reputation for foresight and firmness and the sagacity of the opinions which he delivered in senate and forum you however are regarded as wise in a somewhat different sense not alone on account of natural ability and character but also from your industry and learning and not in the sense in which the vulgar but that in which scholars give that title in this sense we do not read of any one being called wise in greece except one man at athens and he to be sure had been declared by the oracle of apollo also to be the supremely wise man for those who commonly go by the name of the seven sages are not admitted into the category of the wise by fastidious critics your wisdom people believe to consist in this that you look upon yourself as self-sufficing and regard the changes and chances of mortal life as powerless to affect your virtue accordingly they are always asking me and doubtless also our scevola here how you bear the death of africanus this curiosity has been the more excited from the fact that on the nones of this month when we auguries met as usual in the suburban villa of decimus brutus for consultation you were not present though it had always been your habit to keep that appointment and perform that duty with the utmost punctuality Scevola. yes indeed laelius i am often asked the question mentioned by fanius but i answer in accordance with what i have observed i say that you bear in a reasonable manner the grief which you have sustained in the death of one who was at once a man of the most illustrious character and a very dear friend that of course you could not but be affected anything else would have been wholly unnatural in a man of your gentle nature but that the cause of your non-attendance at our college meeting was illness not melancholy laelius thanks scaevola you are quite right you spoke the exact truth for in fact i had no right to allow myself to be withdrawn from a duty which i had regularly performed as long as i was well by any personal misfortune nor do i think that anything that can happen will cause a man of principle to intermit a duty as for your telling me phanius of the honourable appellation given me an appellation to which i do not recognise my title and to which i make no claim you doubtless act from feelings of affection but i must say that you seem to me to do less than justice to cato 
if any one was ever wise of which i have my doubts he was putting aside everything else consider how he bore his son's death i had not forgotten paulus i had seen with my own eyes gallus but they lost their sons when mere children cato his when he was a full-grown man with an assured reputation do not therefore be in a hurry to reckon as cato's superior even that same famous personage whom apollo as you say declared to be the wisest remember the former's reputation rests on deeds the latter's on words three now as far as i am concerned i speak to both of you now believe me the case stands thus if i were to say that i am not affected by regret for scipio i must leave the philosophers to justify my conduct but in point of fact i should be telling a lie affected of course i am by the loss of a friend as i think there will never be again such as i can fearlessly say there never was before but i stand in no need of medicine i can find my own consolation and it consists chiefly in my being free from the mistaken notion which generally causes pain at the departure of friends to scipio i am convinced no evil has befallen mine is the disaster if disaster there be and to be severely distressed at one's own misfortunes does not show that you love your friend but that you love yourself as for him who can say that all is not more than well for unless he had taken the fancy to wish for immortality the last thing of which he ever thought what is there for which mortal man may wish that he did not attain in his early manhood he more than justified by extraordinary personal courage the hopes which his fellow-citizens had conceived of him as a child he never was a candidate for the consulship yet was elected consul twice the first time before the legal age the second at a time which as far as he was concerned was soon enough but was near being too late for the interests of the state by the overthrow of two cities which were the most bitter enemies of our empire he put an end not only to the wars then raging but also to the possibility of others in the future what need to mention the exquisite grace of his manners his dutiful devotion to his mother his generosity to his sisters his liberality to his relations the integrity of his conduct to every one you know all this already finally the estimation in which his fellow-citizens held him has been shown by the signs of mourning which accompanied his obsequies what could such a man have gained by the addition of a few years though age need not be a burden as i remember cato arguing in the presence of myself and scipio two years before he died yet it cannot but take away the vigour and freshness which scipio was still enjoying we may conclude therefore that his life from the good fortune which had attended him and the glory he had attained was so circumstanced that it could not be bettered while the suddenness of his death saved him the sensation of dying as to the manner of his death it is difficult to speak you see what people suspect thus much however i may say scipio in his lifetime saw many days of supreme triumph and exultation but none more magnificent than his last on which upon the rising of the senate he was escorted by the senators and the people of rome by the allies and by the latins to his own door from such an elevation of popular esteem the next step seems naturally to be an ascent to the gods above rather than a descent to hades four 
for i am not one of these modern philosophers who maintain that our souls perish with our bodies and that death ends all with me ancient opinion has more weight whether it be that of our own ancestors who attributed such solemn observances to the dead as they plainly would not have done if they had believed them to be wholly annihilated or that of the philosophers who once visited this country and who by their maxims and doctrines educated magna gracia which at that time was in a flourishing condition though it has now been ruined or that of the man who was declared by apollo's oracle to be the most wise and who used to teach without the variation which is to be found in most philosophers that the souls of men are divine and that when they have quitted the body a return to heaven is open to them least difficult to those who have been most virtuous and just this opinion was shared by scipio only a few days before his death as though he had a presentiment of what was coming he discoursed for three days on the state of the republic the company consisted of phyllis and manlius and several others and i had brought you scaevola along with me the last part of his discourse referred principally to the immortality of the soul for he told us what he had heard from the elder africanus in a dream now if it be true that in proportion to a man's goodness the escape from what may be called the prison and bonds of the flesh is easiest whom can we imagine to have had an easier voyage to the gods than scipio i am disposed to think therefore that in his case mourning would be a sign of envy rather than of friendship if however the truth rather is that the body and soul perish together and that no sensation remains then though there is nothing good in death at least there is nothing bad remove sensation and a man is exactly as though he had never been born and yet that this man was born is a joy to me and will be a subject of rejoicing to this state to its last hour wherefore as i said before all is as well as possible with him not so with me for as i entered life before him it would have been fairer for me to leave it also before him yet such is the pleasure i take in recalling our friendship that i look upon my life as having been a happy one because i have spent it with scipio with him i was associated in public and private business with him i lived in rome and served abroad and between us there was the most complete harmony in our tastes our pursuits and our sentiments which is the true secret of friendship it is not therefore in that reputation for wisdom mentioned just now by fannius especially as it happens to be groundless that i find my happiness so much as in the hope that the memory of our friendship will be lasting what makes me care the more about this is the fact that in all history there are scarcely three or four pairs of friends on record and it is classed with them that i cherish a hope of the friendship of scipio and laelius being known to posterity Lanius. of course that must be so laelius but since you have mentioned the word friendship and we are at leisure you would be doing me a great kindness and i expect scavola also if you would do as it is your habit to do when asked questions on other subjects and tell us of your sentiments about friendship its nature and the rules to be observed in regard to it scavola i shall of course be delighted Phanius has anticipated the very request I was about to make. 
so you will be doing us both a great favour five lelius i should certainly have no objection if i felt confidence in myself for the theme is a noble one and we are as fannius has said at leisure but who am i and what ability have i what you propose is all very well for professional philosophers who are used to particularly if greeks to have the subject for discussion proposed to them on the spur of the moment it is a task of considerable difficulty and requires no little practice therefore for a set discourse on friendship you must go i think to professional lecturers all i can do is to urge on you to regard friendship as the greatest thing in the world for there is nothing which so fits in with our nature or is so exactly what we want in prosperity or adversity but i must at the very beginning lay down this principle friendship can only exist between good men i do not however press this too closely like the philosophers who push their definitions to a superfluous accuracy they have truth on their side perhaps but it is of no practical advantage those i mean who say that no one but the wise is good granted by all means but the wisdom they mean is one to which no mortal ever yet attained we must concern ourselves with the facts of everyday life as we find it not imaginary and ideal perfections even gaius fannius manius curius and tiberius caruncanius whom our ancestors decided to be wise i could never declare to be so according to their standard let them then keep this word wisdom to themselves everybody is irritated by it no one understands what it means let them but grant that the men i mentioned were good no they won't do that either no one but the wise can be allowed that title they say well then let us dismiss them and manage as best we may with our own poor mother wit as the phrase is we mean then by the good those whose actions and lives leave no question as to their honour purity equity and liberality who are free from greed lust and violence and who have the courage of their convictions the men i have just named may serve as examples such men as these being generally accounted good let us agree to call them so on the ground that to the best of human ability they follow nature as the most perfect guide to a good life now this truth seems clear to me that nature has so formed us that a certain tie unites us all but that this tie becomes stronger from proximity so it is that fellow-citizens are preferred in our affections to foreigners relations to strangers for in all their case nature herself has caused a kind of friendship to exist though it is one which lacks some of the elements of permanence friendship excels relationship in this that whereas you may eliminate affection from relationships you cannot do so from friendship without it relationship still exists in name friendship does not you may best understand this friendship by considering that whereas the merely natural ties uniting the human race are indefinite this one is so concentrated and confined to so narrow a sphere that affection is ever shared by two persons only or at most by a few six now friendship may be thus defined a complete accord on all subjects human and divine joined with mutual good will and affection 
and with the exception of wisdom i am inclined to think nothing better than this has been given to man by the immortal gods there are people who give the palm to riches or to good health or to power and office many even to sensual pleasures this last is the ideal of brute beasts and of the others we may say that they are frail and uncertain and depend less on our own prudence than on the caprice of fortune then there are those who find the chief good in virtue well that is a noble doctrine but the very virtue they talk of is the parent and preserver of friendship and without it friendship cannot possibly exist let us i repeat use the word virtue in the ordinary acceptation and meaning of the term and do not let us define it in high-flown language let us account as good the persons usually considered so such as paulus cato gallus scipio and phalus such men as these are good enough for everyday life and we need not trouble ourselves about those ideal characters which are nowhere to be met with well between men like these the advantages of friendship are almost more than i can say to begin with how can life be worth living to use the words of ennius which lacks that repose which is to be found in the mutual goodwill of a friend what can be more delightful than to have someone to whom you can say everything with the same absolute confidence as to yourself is not prosperity robbed of half its value if you have no one to share your joy on the other hand misfortunes would be hard to bear if there were not someone to feel them even more acutely than yourself in a word other objects of ambition serve for particular ends riches for use power for securing homage office for reputation pleasure for enjoyment health for freedom from pain and full use of the functions of the body but friendship embraces innumerable advantages turn which way you please you will find it at hand it is everywhere and yet never out of place never unwelcome fire and water themselves to use a common expression are not of more universal use than friendship i am not now speaking of the common or modified form of it though even that is a source of pleasure and profit but of that true and complete friendship which existed between the select few who are known to fame such friendship enhances prosperity and relieves adversity of its burden by having and sharing it seven and great and numerous as are the blessings of friendship this certainly is the sovereign one that it gives us bright hopes for the future and forbids weakness and despair in the face of a true friend a man sees as it were a second self so that where his friend is he is if his friend be rich he is not poor though he be weak his friend's strength is his and in his friend's life he enjoys a second life after his own is finished this last is perhaps the most difficult to conceive but such is the effect of the respect the loving remembrance and the regret of friends which follow us to the grave while they take the sting out of death they add a glory to the life of the survivors nay if you eliminate from nature the tie of affection there will be an end of house and city nor will so much as the cultivation of the soil be left if you don't see the virtue of friendship and harmony you may learn it by observing the effects of quarrels and feuds 
was any family ever so well established any state so firmly settled as to be beyond the reach of utter destruction from animosities and factions this may teach you the immense advantage of friendship they say that a certain philosopher of aggregentum in a greek poem pronounced with the authority of an oracle the doctrine that whatever in nature and the universe was unchangeable was so in virtue of the binding force of friendship whatever was changeable was so by the solvent power of discord and indeed this is a truth which everybody understands and practically attests by experience for if any marked instance of loyal friendship in confronting or sharing danger comes to light every one applauds it to the echo what cheers were there for instance all over the theatre at a passage in the new play of my friend and guest pasuvius where the king not knowing which of the two was orestes pylades declared himself to be orestes that he might die in his stead while the real orestes kept on asserting that it was he the audience rose en masse and clapped their hands and this was at an incident in fiction what would they have done must we suppose if it had been in real life you can easily see what a natural feeling it is when men who would not have had the resolution to act thus themselves showed how right they thought it in another i don't think i have any more to say about friendship if there is any more and i have no doubt there is much you must if you care to do so consult those who profess to discuss such manners Phineas, we would rather apply to you yet i have often consulted such persons and have heard what they had to say with a certain satisfaction but in your discourse one somehow feels that there is a different strain Scavola you would have said that still more fannius if you had been present the other day in scipio's pleasure grounds when we had the discussion about the state how splendidly he stood up for justice against philus's elaborate speech fannius ah it was naturally easy for the justice of men to stand up for justice scavola well then what about friendship who could discourse on it more easily than the man whose chief glory is a friendship maintained with the most absolute fidelity constancy and integrity eight Lacleus. now you are really using force it makes no difference what kind of force you use force it is for it is neither easy nor right to refuse a wish of my sons-in-law particularly when the wish is a creditable one in itself well then it has very often occurred to me when thinking about friendship that the chief point to be considered is this is it weakness and want of means that make friendship desired i mean is its object an interchange of good offices so that each may give that in which he is strong and receive that in which he is weak or is it not rather true that although this is an advantage naturally belonging to friendship yet its original cause is quite other prior in time more noble in character and springing more directly from our nature itself the latin word for friendship amicitia is derived from that for love amor and love is certainly the prime mover in contracting mutual affection for as to material advantages it often happens that those are obtained even by men who are courted by a mere show of friendship and treated with respect from interested motives 
but friendship by its nature admits of no feigning no pretense as far as it goes it is both genuine and spontaneous therefore i gather that friendship springs from a natural impulse rather than a wish for help from an inclination of the heart combined with a certain instinctive feeling of love rather than from a deliberate calculation of the material advantage it is likely to confer the strength of this feeling you may notice in certain animals they show such love to their offspring for a certain period and are so beloved by them that they clearly have a share in this natural instinctive affection but of course it is more evident in the case of man first in the natural affection between children and their parents an affection which only shocking wickedness can sunder and next when the passion of love has attained to a like strength on our finding that is some one person with whose character and nature we are in full sympathy because we think that we perceive in him what i may call the beacon light of virtue for nothing inspires love nothing conciliates affection like virtue why in a certain sense we may be said to feel affection even for men we have never seen owing to their honesty and virtue who for instance fails to dwell on the memory of gaius fabricius and manius curius with some affection and warmth of feeling though he has never seen them or who but loathes tarquinius superbus spurius cassius spurius malius we have fought for empire in italy with two great generals pyrrhus and hannibal for the former owing to his probity we entertain no great feelings of enmity the latter owing to his cruelty our country has detested and always will detest nine now if the attraction of probity is so great that we can love it not only in those whom we have never seen but what is more actually in an enemy we need not be surprised if men's affections are roused when they fancy that they have seen virtue and goodness in those with whom a close intimacy is possible i do not deny that affection is strengthened by the actual receipt of benefits as well as by the perception of a wish to render service combined with a closer intercourse when these are added to the original impulse of the heart to which i have alluded a quite surprising warmth of feeling springs up and if any one thinks that this comes from a sense of weakness that each may have some one to help him to his particular need all i can say is that when he maintains it to be born of want and poverty he allows to friendship an origin very base and a pedigree if i may be allowed the expression far from noble if this had been the case a man's inclination to friendship would be exactly in proportion to his low opinion of his own resources whereas the truth is quite the other way for when a man's confidence in himself is greatest when he is so fortified by virtue and wisdom as to want nothing and to feel absolutely self-dependent it is then that he is most conspicuous for seeking out and keeping up friendships did africanus for example want anything of me not the least in the world neither did i of him in my case it was an admiration of his virtue in his an opinion may be which he entertained of my character that caused our affection 
closer intimacy added to the warmth of our feelings but though many great material advantages did ensue they were not the source from which our affection proceeded for as we are not beneficent and liberal with any view of extorting gratitude and do not regard an act of kindness as an investment but follow a natural inclination to liberality so we look on friendship as worth trying for not because we are attracted to it by the expectation of ulterior gain but in the conviction that what it has to give us is from first to last included in the feeling itself far different is the view of those who like brute beasts refer everything to sensual pleasure and no wonder men who have degraded all their powers of thought to an object so mean and contemptible can of course raise their eyes to nothing lofty to nothing grand and divine such persons indeed let us leave out of the present question and let us accept the doctrine that the sensation of love and the warmth of inclination have their origin in a spontaneous feeling which arises directly the presence of probity is indicated when once men have conceived the inclination they of course try to attach themselves to the object of it and move themselves nearer and nearer to him their aim is that they may be on the same footing and the same level in regard to affection and be more inclined to do a good service than to ask a return and that there should be this noble rivalry between them thus both truths will be established we shall get the most important material advantages from friendship and its origin from a natural impulse rather than from a sense of need will be at once more dignified and more in accordance with fact for if it were true that its material advantages cemented friendship it would be equally true that any change in them would dissolve it but nature being incapable of change it follows that genuine friendships are eternal so much for the origin of friendship but perhaps you would not care to hear any more phanius nay pray go on let us have the rest lelius i take on myself to speak for my friend here as his senior scaevola quite right therefore pray let us hear ten lelius well then my good friends listen to some conversations about friendship which very frequently pass between scipio and myself i must begin by telling you however that he used to say that the most difficult thing in the world was for a friendship to remain unimpaired to the end of life so many things might intervene conflicting interests differences of opinion in politics frequent changes in character owing sometimes to misfortunes sometimes to advancing years he used to illustrate these facts from the analogy of boyhood since the warmest affections between boys are often laid aside with the boyish toga and even if they did manage to keep them up to adolescence they were sometimes broken by a rivalry in courtship or for some other advantage to which their mutual claims were not compatible even if the friendship was prolonged beyond that time yet it frequently received a rude shock should the two happen to be competitors for office for while the most fatal blow to friendship in the majority of cases was the lust of gold in the case of the best men it was a rivalry for office and reputation by which it had often happened that the most violent enmity had arisen between the closest friends 
again wide breaches and for the most part justifiable ones were caused by an immoral request being made of friends to pander to a man's unholy desires or to assist him in inflicting a wrong a refusal though perfectly right is attacked by those to whom they refuse compliance as a violation of the laws of friendship now the people who have no scruples as to the requests they make to their friends thereby allow that they are ready to have no scruples as to what they will do for their friends and it is the recriminations of such people which commonly not only quench friendships but give rise to lasting enmities in fact he used to say these fatalities overhang friendship in such numbers that it requires not only wisdom but good luck also to escape them all eleven with these premises then let us first if you please examine the question how far ought personal feelings to go in friendship for instance suppose coriolanus to have had friends ought they to have joined him in invading his country again in the case of vesalinus or spurius malius ought their friends to have assisted them in their attempt to establish a tyranny take two instances of either line of conduct when tiberius gracchus attempted his revolutionary measures he was deserted as we saw by quintus tubero and the friends of his own standing on the other hand a friend of your own family scaevola gens bosleus of cumae took a different course i was acting as assessor to the consuls lenus and repilius to try the conspirators and blosius pleaded for my pardon on the ground that his regard for tiberius gracchus had been so high that he looked upon his wishes as law even if he had wished you to set fire to the capital said i that is a thing he replied that he never would have wished ah but if he had wished it said i i would have obeyed the wickedness of such a speech needs no comment and in point of fact he was as good and better than his word for he did not wait for orders in the audacious proceedings of tiberius gracchus but was the head and front of them and was a leader rather than an abettor of his madness the result of his infatuation was that he fled to asia terrified by the special commission appointed to try him joined the enemies of his country and paid a penalty to the republic as heavy as it was deserved i conclude then that the plea of having acted in the interests of a friend is not a valid excuse for a wrong action foreseeing that a belief in a man's virtue is the original cause of friendship friendship can hardly remain if virtue be abandoned but if we decide it to be right to grant our friends whatever they wish and to ask them for whatever we wish perfect wisdom must be assumed on both sides if no mischief is to happen but we cannot assume this perfect wisdom for we are speaking only of such friends as are ordinarily to be met with whether we have actually seen them or have been told about them men that is to say of everyday life i must quote some examples of such persons taking care to select such as approach nearest to our standard of wisdom we read for example that pappus aemilius was a close friend of gaius licinius history tells us that they were twice consuls together and colleagues in the censorship again it is on record that manius curius and tiberius corincanius were on the most intimate terms with them and with each other 
now we cannot even suspect that any one of these men ever asked of his friend anything that militated against his honor or his oath or the interests of the republic in the case of such men as these there is no point in saying that one of them would not have obtained such a request if he had made it for they were men of the most scrupulous piety and the making of such a request would involve a breach of religious obligation no less than the granting it however it is quite true that gaius carbo and gaius cato did follow tiberius gracchus and though his brother caius gracchus did not do so at the time he is now the most eager of them all twelve we may then lay down this rule of friendship neither ask nor consent to do what is wrong for the plea of friendship's sake is a discreditable one and not to be admitted for a moment this rule holds good for all wrongdoing but more especially in such as involves disloyalty to the republic for things have come to such a point with us my dear fannius and scevola that we are bound to look somewhat far ahead to what is likely to happen to the republic the constitution as known to our ancestors has already swerved somewhat from the regular course and the lines marked out for it tiberius gracchus made an attempt to obtain the power of a king or i might rather say enjoyed that power for a few months had the roman people ever heard or seen the like before what the friends and connections that followed him even after his death have succeeded in doing in the case of publius scipio i cannot describe without tears as for carbo thanks to the punishment recently inflicted on tiberius gracchus we have by hook or by crook managed to hold out against his attacks but what to expect of the tribuneship of caius gracchus i do not like to forecast one thing leads to another and once set going the downward course proceeds with ever-increasing velocity there is the case of the ballot what a blow was inflicted first by the lex gabinia and two years afterwards by the lex cassia i seem already to see the people estranged from the senate and the most important affairs at the mercy of the multitude for you may be sure that more people will learn how to set such things in motion than how to stop them what is the point of these remarks this no one ever makes any attempt of this sort without friends to help him we must therefore impress upon good men that should they become inevitably involved in friendships with men of this kind they ought not to consider themselves under any obligation to stand by friends who are disloyal to the republic bad men must have the fear of punishment before their eyes a punishment not less severe for those who follow than for those who lead others to crime who is more famous and powerful in greece than themistocles at the head of the army in the persian war he had freed greece he owed his exile to personal envy but he did not submit to the wrong done him by his ungrateful country as he ought to have done he acted as coriolanus had acted among us twenty years before but no one was found to help them in their attacks upon their fatherland both of them accordingly committed suicide we concluded then not only that no such confederation of evilly disposed men must be allowed to shelter itself under the plea of friendship but that on the contrary it must be visited with the severest punishment 
lest the idea should prevail that fidelity to a friend justifies even making war upon one's country and this is a case which i am inclined to think considering how things are beginning to go will sooner or later arise and i care quite as much what the state of the constitution will be after my death as what it is now thirteen let this then be laid down as the first law of friendship that we should ask from friends and do for friends only what is good but do not let us wait to be asked either let there be ever an eager readiness and an absence of hesitation let us have the courage to give advice with candour in friendship let the influence of friends who give good advice be paramount and let this influence be used to enforce advice not only in plain-spoken terms but sometimes if the case demands it with sharpness and when so used let it be obeyed i give you these rules because i believe that some wonderful opinions are entertained by certain persons who have i am told a reputation for wisdom in greece there is nothing in the world by the way beyond the reach of their sophistry well some of them teach that we should avoid very close friendships for fear that one man should have to endure the anxieties of several each man they say has enough and to spare on his own hands it is too bad to be involved in the cares of other people the wisest course is to hold the reins of friendship as loose as possible you can then tighten or slacken them at your will for the first condition of a happy life is freedom from care which no man's mind can enjoy if it has to travail so to speak for others besides himself another sect i am told gives vent to opinions still less generous i briefly touched on this subject just now they affirm that friendships should be sought solely for the sake of the assistance they give and not at all from motives of feeling and affection and that therefore just in proportion as a man's power and means of support are lowest he is most eager to gain friendships thence it comes that weak women seek the support of friendship more than men the poor more than the rich the unfortunate rather than those esteemed prosperous what noble philosophy you might as well take the sun out of the sky as friendship from life for the immortal gods have given us nothing better or more delightful but let us examine the two doctrines what is the value of this freedom from care it is very tempting at first sight but in practice it has in many cases to be put on one side for there is no business and no course of action demanded from us by our honour which you can consistently decline or lay aside when begun from a mere wish to escape from anxiety nay if we wish to avoid anxiety we must avoid virtue itself which necessarily involves some anxious thoughts in showing its loathing and abhorrence for the qualities which are opposite to itself as kindness for ill-nature self-control for licentiousness courage for cowardice thus you may notice that it is the just who are most pained at injustice the brave at cowardly actions the temperate at depravity it is then a characteristic of a rightly ordered mind to be pleased at what is good and grieved at the reverse 
seeing then that the wise are not exempt from the heartache which must be the case unless we suppose all human nature rooted out of their hearts why should we banish friendship from our lives for fear of being involved by it in some amount of distress if you take away emotion what difference remains i don't say between a man and a beast but between a man and a stone or a log of wood or anything else of that kind neither should we give any weight to the doctrine that virtue is something rigid and unyielding as iron in point of fact it is in regard to friendship as in so many other things so supple and sensitive that it expands so to speak at a friend's good fortune contracts at his misfortunes we conclude then that mental pain which we must often encounter on a friend's account is not of sufficient consequence to banish friendship from our life any more than it is true that the cardinal virtues are to be dispensed with because they involve certain anxieties and distresses end of treatise one part one